They say, quote, you take a bad boy, you make him dig holes all day in the hot sun. It makes him a good boy, end quote. Neopets, a podcast focusing on digital intimacy, memes, and criticism by me, Felix O'Connor. And me, Reg Zayner. On this special episode, Abolition Through Friendship, Everyone Has Potential, we talk about the 2003 book-to-movie adaptation Holes, carceral imagery, and of course, friendship. So let's get into it. For those who don't know, the uh, 2003 Holes adaptation is a movie based off the book Holes, written by Louis Sakar. It follows a young boy named Stanley Yelnats, who is sent to Camp Green Lake, a juvenile corrections facility in the desert of Texas, after falsely accused of theft and working with trying to gain friendship in pursuit of the family curse that is on the Yelnats family. Yeah, for anyone for anyone that hasn't seen the movie, well, go watch the movie. Now the movie is exactly like the book, so you don't even have to read the book. You can. Watch yeah, it's a great. It is an absolutely wonderful example of like a good book to movie adaptation. But if you haven't seen the movie, go watch the movie. But essentially, it's about the juvenile detention camp, in the middle of Texas, and they make people. They make all of the boys dig. A, a single hole in the hot sun every day. It is five feet wide and five feet deep to build character. Which is stated by the camp counselor mom, or what the boys call the counselor. Okay, so I think we'll start in the beginning where Stanley is falsely accused of stealing shoes from an orphanage. Shoes fall onto him out of the air and Immediately, he is arrested by cops and taken to his home and then to the uh, court where they tell him he has to spend time at Camp uh, Green Lake for his quote-unquote crime. And immediately when you first see Camp Green Lake, you are very shocked that there is no lake. It's only sand. You also meet one of the... um, authorities in the in the film which is Mr. Sir and also like the introduction to naming which is very important in Holes as Stanley gets acquainted into the film all the boys at the camp have have has a different name outside of their birth names or state names as people would say and eventually Stanley gets to be called caveman yeah the naming part is really important where the kids get really upset when they're not being called by like their nicknames. And mom, the the camp counselor, refuses to call them by these nicknames and only calls them by their state names. But, you know, in this context, the kids, them giving themselves these nicknames is one of the only ways that they're able to 
maintain their own autonomy or a sense of like self within this setting? Well, sometimes the names are just given to them by other people, like uh, by the other boys. They're not really chosen, which I think is like, I think an important note. And it's mainly the names come from a characteristic from the person in which the boys recognize since when Stanley first enters the film, Armpit, you know, says he's a Neanderthal or whatever. And that alludes to his nickname. But also I did state like how incarceration changes naming and like going back to that autonomous point, how that naming, how naming, they kind of also become different people too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I also just like backing up just a little bit. I think it's really interesting that the movie itself before you get introduced to Stanley, introduced to any of that, the opening scene is a shot of the kids digging holes at Camp Green Lake, and one of the kids approaching a rattlesnake, and he's holding out his foot, intentionally getting bit by the rattlesnake. So that's like how the movie opens, like that's the framing of it. Is It opens with a kid trying to if not kill himself, seriously injure himself. Right. And because they after they they have to dig holes to no end until they're like till until their sentence is up. And you know, especially thinking about naming, here's a question for the two of us and also to our listeners. What would your holes name be? You know, if we were sent to Camp Green Lake, I wonder what my hole's name would be. I think for sure it would have to do with something like speedy. I'd be like just going and just talking to t- so many people or and just like I don't know doing thing after thing. So I think and also I'm like kind of athletic so I think I'd be pretty good at digging holes. So I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell what my hole's name would be if it's based off of just a characteristic that I have. My first, my like initial thought is that it would have something to do with the fact that I have visible tattoos. Just like looking at myself in the Zoom screen, I'm like, that's the only noticeable thing about me. Yeah. Maybe they'd call me Inky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're always one syllable words most of the time. So I think in a funny way that whole names can be aligned with uh, non-binary names or even just like queerness. I think about that too. Just a little bit, but not too much because sexuality is not important to this movie because friendship is. And I also would definitely push for more young adult films that don't center sexuality and this just center, not saying that queerness is inherently sexual and everything but just saying that like sometimes you know we just want to see people be friends and do things together we don't always want romance 
I don't know. It's like there's no like romantic components to this film, but there's so much love and there's so much intimacy within this film that's formed just in the form of close friendship where you really care about and look out for one another, especially when it comes to the relationship between Stanley and Zero. Yeah, and even before we can get to Zero or even Stanley getting acquainted in the community of Camp Green Lake, we are also thrusted into the past due to the Yelnats family curse that also weaves in and out of the movie. So you're also taken back in time multiple points since it draws throughout like the film. Yeah. The Yelnats family loves to curse their uh, no good dirty rotten pig stealing great, great, great grandfather. Mm Mm-hmm. Elia Yelnats, yeah. I think, is his name. So the premise of the curse is that, I don't think it says, like, what country this is taking place in. No. But essentially, Elia Yelnats falls in love with a beautiful girl in the village, and he goes to ask her father if he could marry her, and her father's like, nah, I'm good. This dude that I'm having lunch with offered me, like, a really fat pig. In, in hand for her marriage like what would you offer me and he was like oh my undying love and the dude was just like no I want a fat pig yeah uh, so Elia goes to Madame Zeroni to ask her for advice and she's like look if you take this pig you take this little pig and you carry him up this mountain every day so he can drink from the spring at the top of the mountain then he will grow to be a uh, to be a very big pig, and you'll you'll be able to win her hand in marriage, whatever. But when the pig is grown, when you are done taking it up the mountain, you have to take me up the mountain. Me being Madame Zeroni, you have to take me up the mountain and let me drink from the stream at the top of the mountain until I grow strong, or your family will be cursed for all of eternity. Yep. And they were cursed for all of eternity because Ela, Ela, whatever, did not return. And then one of the quotes I have from the movie was when, I think one of the campers said this quote, moles don't eat dirt, but worms do, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) Which refers to Zero, who was the fastest uh, and one of the youngest people at Camp Green Lake. So, like, thinking about detention centers and also uh, correctional facilities for, you know, young people sometimes. Even the even the youngest people, most of the time they end up there because they don't have any family. And the way that Zero is treated especially is seen as if he's not smart or even educated because of the fact that he is so young. Yeah, and not only the fact that, like, he is so young, but he was also homeless before he was at Camp Green Lake, and so there's this extra dynamic of especially mom, like the camp counselor, looking down and being especially harsh on Zero because he sees him as, you know, his whole, his the whole way that he talks about all of the kids is that, like, oh, you made these mistakes you're the reason why you're in here but you know with enough hard work and reflection whatever you can change yourself and go on to live a better life once 
you leave here. And he, and he talks about that with all of the campers except for Zero. He always very harsh on Zero because it's very obvious that he doesn't see any value in him because he, he sees him as nothing because he has yeah. so little and has nothing to really go back to. Yeah, and also, like, also expanding that, uh, Zero's also depending on the cap for not, for also just providing housing and just bare, uh, accessible needs for survival which is food which is not the greatest food ever but it just ensures that he does have food and does have some place to shower and a place to sleep even if he has a dick a whole day and that's some of the realities of the carceral system in america especially mm-hmm. uh, for young people they do depend on correctional centers and you know juvies and etc to survive and our capital is like dystopic landscape but in general during the movie you you see stanley becoming acquainted with the other boys and in my opinion and just my overall thinking of just the movie and also interactions with real boys boys are just weird it's like one of my notes i put down to i was like boys are just weird and i, I just have to say that but yeah and i i don't think the rest of this podcast is just going to be us doing like the breakdown of the whole movie but just some of our thoughts that we've had on in our notes it's also funny because outside of the er- origin of the curse there's also another backstory where it involves just this western town and kissing kate barlow but before she becomes kissing kate barlow she uh is just a teacher and she falls in love with this black man named sam and you know of course during the 1800s it was racist to even be with black people so in the end sam is killed by racist white men uh which turns this white woman to kill other white people which in the beginning of the film you do see kissing kate barlow writing in with native americans killing other white people so it's just interesting how even when there is romance in this film it's either you know, it's not really explicit, and also at the end, it also it's turns, deadly. It turns into violence, and also turns violence against white people, especially. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. The whole the whole thing with kissing Kate Barlow is that like the reason that that is relevant. There's a lot of reasons. Everything gets very tied together, but the reason that that is relevant is because that is the history of Camp Green Lake before it dried up and then mm-hmm. became. Camp Green Lake, where they're digging holes, and so it's number one, like for like for a kids movie, very, very intense. The scene where Sam and Kate get caught kissing each other by whatever the dude's name is who was trying to come after her, whose daddy owns the town. He says it's a very intense scene, specifically for a kids movie, because it literally shows this white man getting very angry about being rejected and also being rejected for a black man specifically and then he gathers a vigilante mob and and they and they show you like they show sam being murdered like they show this is a lynching within a kids movie which is really intense but also very relevant to the story yeah and yeah i think i was really i mean re-watching and i was like wow i they really just show him just shooting and dying but also they shoot they show kate shooting the sheriff who didn't help her save sam too so i was like wow they 
they really I think outside of like showing the graphic of violence, it's also showing the context of violence, which is even more nuanced and important for, for the film because a lot of Camp Green Lake itself, like the boys in the camp are mainly black. There's that representation already within the film that isn't that doesn't leave at all. And also, I also noticed in the film how black and people of color, that even how the way slang is used is very interesting. It's not Ave, but I mean, the black boys, they use Ave and et cetera. But also just like the community of Camp Green, like they make up their own terms, like going mm. back to the naming and also going back to like how they describe things because they're outside of a traditional education quote-unquote traditional education system so the way that they learn and also communicate is very experiential with their day-to-day reality there's a note that i have in here where i think it was in relation to when stanley starts giving zero reading lessons but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of like any of the transformational components of Camp Green like come from the like peer-to-peer learning and things that they're doing together. Also, if you see in the film too that the boys also commune in like the lunchroom, which also just, you know, it doesn't have a working TV, but they watch TV. So they don't get outside news or anything. They're really cut off. So that I think is important too, since we're so... In- connected when you really think about incarceration it really is about the limits of technology so by the time usually people who are incarcerated do leave their years behind technology use and or understand the world because of how limited the scope is and i think in the film of holes they show that visually by placing them in a desert Yeah, I mean, like, the placing them literally in the middle of nowhere, there's a quote at one point in the movie where they say that they're the only source of water for 100 miles around. So it is taking the inherent isolation and the disappearing nature of incarceration and making that very, very explicit. Outside of that, yeah, going back to Zero and Stanley's intimate moment and growing together as friends and recognizing that because in the beginning there was a connection but it wasn't that immediate since zero in the beginning when he sees stanley reading stanley first denies his reading lessons because he's like i'm tired i do holes all day then later on when stanley gets taken to the warden because of the sunflower seed situation which you know a couple of campers stole mr sir's sunflower seeds and then stanley was unfortunately the one that got caught but stanley didn't say anything and zero shout out to stanley there for not snitching yeah stanley is not a snitch you know some of some of the other camp great like i can't say because some of them are stanley he's real that's why, you know, you got to get a, a real one like that. And then in the end, Zero ends up digging his hole for him because he sees that Stanley, in the end, like, thinks of the greater good and understands because the person who stole Mr. Sir's sunflower seeds was Diego, who was uh, Latinx. So I think also Stanley was aware that since he's white, he will have uh, less punishment in a way and just taking that and knowing how to do that but that's also my hypothesis it's not quite 
ever like race is not explicitly talked about except for the Sam situation, but it's my understanding. Yeah, it's definitely never explicitly talked about, but there's also I don't know, I think that like Stanley has this sort of moment of awareness of his position of privilege over the other campers. I think there's a lot of like things that humble him throughout the movie, but when he's talking at one point with Zero and they realize that they're both from the same place when Stanley is talking about like some park that they both know of gets brought up and Stanley was like, oh yeah, I like, you know, I used to play at that park all the time. And Zero was like, oh yeah, I used to sleep in the, in the tunnel behind that park. Yeah, you can see his facial reaction going into, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Like realizing, you know, at least he had a bed, at least he had all these privileges that Zero didn't have. And I, I think he really appreciates and understands where he comes from and doesn't lash out or really takes anything out on other campers, which isn't a privilege of itself of being content and kind. You know, it the whole movie leads to a point where mom essentially just nags on zero to the point zero just literally hits him with a shovel (laughs) and zero ends up running away from camp just because he's treated really invaluable no one cares for him and stanley understanding and seeing that truly believes no one is disposable and after crashing mr sir's car into a hole he also runs away too but previously stanley really believes no one is disposable especially someone like zero so that's also where the beginning and also like the understanding of transformative justice is really entered into the film that when zero runs away he becomes very concerned because it's other people are like yeah you know there's nothing we can do and etc and Stanley is like no like this person still matters yeah and I think that even before Zero runs away and when they're forming their friendships everyone's attitude even the rest of the boys in the camp even though they don't see Zero as disposable as people like mom do they still don't have that connection with him but Stanley's Stanley gives him the chance that the others wouldn't or haven't. And so in the end, you know, Stanley does run away, which also brings social services to the camp because Stanley is somebody, Stanley's position as a, you know, white boy with parent, white parents that care about him, you know, brings also the ultimate doom of the camp because the camp should not be running the way it is. It's, actually just torture and also just a clear version of prison labor like how prison labor actually is in rural spaces yeah oh i have a note about that at one point early on where so the whole the whole premise of the camp is that digging holes is meant to build character and you find out obviously later in the movie that the warden is using prison labor to dig holes for her and attempts to find treasure that is allegedly buried in the lake by katie kissing kate barlow right and so you know it's this whole well hard labor is character building when really it's just like any other kind of prison labor where it is unpaid like slave labor essentially 
framed under the guise of rehabilitation and it's being used for somebody to get rich. Right. And also how digging holes is seen as transactional for the boys. Oh, if you don't dig a hole, you don't get food, you don't get water. You know, it becomes a form of transaction for other survival needs. So even though there is basic survival needs, it's also the constant need for labor that allows these boys to see another day. So they're inescapable of their extraction of labor. Mm-hmm. and which you know as well the camp dried up because in a way when sam died the the lake it never rained again so it's also just thinking about this idea of mysticism as well as a potential or even just the fictional aspects of storytelling how that opens up into the way that racial violence is perceived in metaphorically m- metaphorized into the movie and and then Stanley and Zero are out in the middle of nowhere without no water. But but they have sploosh, which is which is fermented peach by like 80 years. So it's just alcohol. <laughs> yeah, but there's a the you know little comedic relief is there, little little tipsy on their splooch. But it's also like Zero runs away, and the only reason he was able to survive was because of the splooch, which was from Casey K. Barlow. That was like peaches that she made and traded with Sam because it was Sam's boat that was flipped over in. Yeah the dried up lake that zero was taking shelter in so there's this really intense history really yeah really intense the cycle of the connections between things i feel like this movie plays a lot with intergenerational trauma honestly and it's really interesting you know sam was literally murdered in that boat but it was that boat and the peaches that like were within it that was the reason that zero was able to survive yeah and i think a lot about this movie too in terms of like you know that metaphor of the boat because of stanley's dirty great great grandfather like he mm. got the boat but like didn't bring like didn't have the necessary like he was leaving but he wasn't bringing he was only bringing himself and wasn't really doing what he had to do for Madame Cerrone and how Sam had cousin Kate Barlow's peaches and just the idea of going somewhere not being able to get to places and usually the one the people that got to the other side even though there was like a curse at the end of it were white people and how every the other black people in the film was met with tragedy or was met with like unfulfilled promise depended on a form of solidarity between and also just a form of care but like from you know white people it's just like being let down yeah and like that's another I would be so interested to know more about like we follow the Yelnats family but I would love to know more about the Zeroni family the whole reason that Elia Yelnats went to America was because when he went to Madame Zeroni and she and was asking her for help, she was like, you should just go to America. My son just went to America. Right. And how later in the film, you, you, you know that uh, Zero is actually 
Zeroni, a descendant of Zeroni. So when they are out in the middle of nowhere, Stanley sees God's thumb, which is goes into one of the stories about his great 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 like one of his great grandfather's descendants, and how that descendant ran into cousin Kate Barlow and just just exchanging and just talking and helping and also just getting the treasure within the Yelnat's name, which is at the end. But how he sees God's thumb and they go towards that direction. Since he, there's a story about water and he was like, oh, there may be water up there. And when they are traveling, Zero hurts his hands. And he basically, you know, he was out there longer than Stanley. He just, from also fatigue and everything, he just falls out. And Stanley carries Zero up the mountain for the curse and where there is water and helps zero nurses him back to health with peaches and onions and also just drinking uh just dirty spring water i guess and before they go back to the camp where he were in the beginning of the film or sometime like when stanley gets there he finds something in a specific hole but he never expresses that to anyone else but he did find a bullet but he gives that to another camper but at the end they go he back found the to lipstick tube the, the lipstick tube kissing kate barlow's lipstick tube so that was hiding in one of the holes he dug but he did not finish that hole because he gave it to another camper and everyone was digging towards that direction when really there's something in his hole and the curse is broken at that point when stanley carries zero up god's thumb which shows that through after generations of violence and trauma and etc it finally is broken through the friendship between these two boys who are forced to work at this camp this not forced but like are incarcerated in this place which in a form is like its own image of a prison mm-hmm. yeah i'm just like looking at my notes to see what other thoughts i had the other note we have the soundtrack rocks. The soundtrack is so good. Yeah, and essentially, for the title of this episode, you know, Abolition Through Friendship, um, it's really the, the camp really falls apart in part of just you know, Stanley and Zero's friendship because of the fact that disposability is not considered, is not even on the table. It's that, you know, even through conflicts that arises within the camp, you know, it's that holding down and also being caring towards one another because violence is around all the boys all the time. So of course, conflicts breaks out like every other day. So, but it's also just realizing that they're still people even in a place that dehumanizes them so much and that at the end when Zero and Stanley finds the treasure and they end up being rich and then also saved per se from the camp is that abolition is for everyone it's not just for people who know what it is it's for the people that don't even know there's a word for it the fact that Zero gets to leave the camp mainly because the camp counselors 
essentially burn and threw away his files because they considered him a nobody. They didn't even think of him as a person. So without any records, he was allowed to leave. And how that control of the narrative of someone's life and quote unquote crime, it comes from that crime is just a social construct too and how that none of the boys should be there and how easily they can just leave because it's over someone's like ability to change their records or not i mean the movie it's a really it's a really intense movie but it ends on such a wholesome note the boys come back from being on top of the mountain and they find the treasure and then they're covered in lizards and you're terrified for them Mm -hmm. but they've been eating these onions right so the and, that, and that's another way the story, like, all it keeps looping back on itself, where... Peaches and onions. Peaches, it's, peaches and onions save the day, but also, at the, you know, when earlier clips with Sam in the movie, he's talking about how eating eating onions will prevent the lizards from getting you, and then we watch it happen, because they've been eating onions. And then how and, Stanley's family, when peaches and onions fall into his father's invention to get to erase foot odor it actually works yeah and it's just well and so the you know they get the treasure the boys come back and stanley's like attorney is there she's trying to get him out because they're like no actually he didn't commit this crime he's he's getting freed early he's also just like supposed to be at camp green lake for 18 months for stealing a pair of shoes which thinking about that is wild like that is a year and a half Mm -hmm. at camp green lake but and it's like, how long have the other boys been there? But regardless, mm-hmm. they come back and, you know, then there's this whole drama about like, what what kind of camp are you running here? And sort of the outside law enforcement looking into what is happening at the camp and just how when things start to go right, all of a sudden it starts to rain and in storm and you know it hasn't rained on camp green lake since the day that sam died but they but it wraps up and like it starts to rain as this sort of i don't know the the use of water in this movie is really interesting to me too um but there's like it's raining and that sort of this almost serves as a metaphor for both for for healing and positive growth and then Stanley ends up being rich, but then he shares his wealth with Zero, and Zero's able to, like, find his mom again, and Camp Green Lake is shut down, and all of the boys, it says in the movie that all of the boys were let out and sent to real counselors, and then at the end of the movie, you see not just Stanley and Zero hanging out at you, you the, the their new fancy house, but also all of the boys from the camp are out in the full swimming and it's just such a wholesome way to end the movie yeah and just in general like all the homies are brought up with you no one is left behind like quote from Lilo and Stitch it's just you know the whole idea about any of this is no one is left behind even the people that you know weren't that super respectful or even that weren't super nice or there was conflicts with within the camp it's just the environment in which people are conditioned in can create 
ways of harm, but also realizing that there's always a potential of reconciliation with harm. And when reconciliation isn't happening, it's happening on both parties. There's not only one party that isn't like accepting the terms of like apology or et cetera. It's just, you know, I think abolition is going to take all of us. It's not going to take some of us. It's going to take all of us to do. And also the fact that transformative justice isn't a one-way street. It's a two-way street. And how even when it's outside of those words, like even mutual aid, mutual aid has mutual. It requires not just one person. So it's I this idea, especially in our time of COVID, how everything has become individualized. Everyone's successes and everyone's idea of themselves has become so individualized that I think watching this movie will just sit you down and also realizing a community is never perfect. And trying to have an idealized version of a community will never satisfy you because it doesn't exist. Mm. Damn, that's a really good way of, of bringing this movie into the present moment. And I believe this movie will always be relevant all the time and how it's one of the few especially fictional like abolition imagery that people overlook because it's the fact it's for younger people and the fact that it's fiction you know most abolition is kind of fallen into documentaries and how a lot of carceral imagery uses fiction and just thinking those in terms of each other it's just how do you want to envision the world there's already somewhat images that exist for that and also there's images that exist of how to like combat that even if it's not the most explicit or the most like highbrow like understanding of it or academics understanding of it oh this is a perfect explanation and you know the the treasure from kissing kate barlow you know that's reparations for zero you know he got (laughs) he got reparations at the end you know he got banking he found his mom so it's like all of these things are into it and i i just dislike when people they look over fiction a lot especially young adult fiction because of the fact it's for younger people and also the fact they a lot of people do look over a lot of other black writers like octavia e butler and like all these other uh ideas and that already have in place like ways of community because and then also these books are not perfect oftentimes I think in academia they're always trying to like write this perfect sense of an explanation but it's just not ever possible so I'm just like why don't everyone just write fiction (laughs) really the title of this podcast could be abolition through friendship fiction is cool yeah fiction is the best that's literally my go-to with navigating this like world yeah and I feel like I mean that's the thing though is that exploring things like this through fiction as opposed to academic writing necessarily is that allows you to be more imaginative and more expansive but also allows for a multitude of interpretations in ways that things that are presented as, you know, factual or academic, it's 
that's kind of less of an option there. But with holes, you have, you know, this is, we're taking this story and this, this movie and very heavily reading into it things that aren't, weren't intentionally there. Right. But it's fiction and we're allowed to do that. Fiction allows the, the writer to create their own world but also allows for the readers themselves to their interpretation of the world that is created is, is fully allowed and not looked down upon. Yeah, I agree. And also just like the elements of metaphor and the elements of character development and plot, it's so crucial. While in an academic essay, you have none of that. So, (laughs) you just have analysis. Yeah, so I think one of the best parts of the entire movie was the last, it's kind of the last scene where all the boys, you know, start saying dig it, like the ending song, dig. um, And Mm. it's just such a, like, moment and also just being a part of the fact that sing-alongs are the best way you can go out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think for me, my my review of this movie is 10 out of 10. You know, you can show this to anyone's age, anyone, and they will learn the important messages, and you can start after that your abolition and radical book reading club and also just continue with mutual aid and any form of support or even organizing in your area you know it's all it's for all ages and for anyone because abolition is for everyone abolition is for everyone what's your review i don't know i i mean i think pulse is an excellent movie i think that it does a really good job of not being prison or carceral propaganda, mm-hmm. but rather it does a, does a decent job of exposing the inherent flaws and inherent brutality of that system. I just think that this, even if it's not intentional, this movie does a lot and you can read a lot into it and it it tackles really complicated themes in ways that are are presented in what is it, what is a kid's movie where it's talking about intergenerational trauma and racialized violence and the prison industrial complex and all of these, these very, very complex you know, very complex things that are often written on infographics. It's just like, watch holes. (laughs) Not to boast our last episode, but you should watch or listen to our last episode if you haven't yet. But everything doesn't have to be an infographic, but, you know, holes covers a lot of it. So maybe you shouldn't even make that infographic. Unless it's about holes. Hmm. Hmm. Also, if you do have any thoughts or reviews about the film, we would love to hear it. And also share that on our social media page on Instagram. Are there any other sort of... I'm just like also glancing through my notes. Mm -hmm. Are there any other things or like points that you made within your notes that you want to make sure we get to? 
I, there's some, but they'll just take us way off track. I think we had a productive conversation. I thought the fact that, you know, it, it was good that Kate, Barlow, and Sam, they, they did their thing. But, you know, interracial dating, interesting. But I don't know. It's just like the, the idea of the white woman as a savior. That's one of the critiques of the movie I have. But... Oh, yeah. And, well, and there's also... The Girl part, boss. Oh, there's also the part where when, after Kate and Sam are caught kissing and she runs to the sheriff for help, he's like, no, it's not against the law for you to kiss him. It's just against the law for him to kiss you. Mm-hmm. And it's that, like, oh, here's very explicit white women's perceived innocence. Yeah, and then also, like, the warden is a white woman who's, like, technically girl boss, like, vibes, you know, the girl boss vibes, if you don't know, it's just a way that a, especially, like, cishet woman, like, utilizes powers and domination over especially marginalized people. Yeah, I really, uh, really like the note that I think we both ended up making, or Mm -hmm. at least saying out loud to one another, where we put mom the camp counselor as a representative of like neoliberal like carceralism mm-hmm. and mr sir is very explicitly like a conservative whatever and then the warden is very representative of carceral feminism right and how that will play definitely in our present times how important these type of three especially they're all white how these three white characters are legitimately metaphors for currently a lot of the majority of white people today (laughs) in politics today there you go it's like oh 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 we need to make a political alignment chart so you know there's we already posted the meme because the podcast is gonna be after this meme but those the political alignment of all those three will have impacts on our current election and that's why this movie is also important again there's also conversations about voting that's happening again like every four years it's just i don't know it's just like i think this movie is very pivotal sit down grab whoever and watch it and then have a deep discussion if you can but yeah i think that's all of my points. Mm. Yeah, I think I also, oh, I guess the last, like, note that I have that's really standing out to me, which kind of brings our conversation full circle, since we sort of open it up with talking about naming, Mm -hmm. is the scene towards the end where Stanley and Zero are about to leave Camp Green Lake, and and it's raining, and everything and he's talking to I think it's x-ray he's talking to and he's like hands him a piece of paper and he's like hey um can you like call my mom and let her know I'm okay kind of or something like that and Stanley was like yeah okay x-ray and he's like no actually you can call me Theodore and he like takes his name back especially in a way that that is so tender too it's not even just joking he's being real and vulnerable Um, and how intimacy is just important too even if it's not expressed romantically platonic intimacy is as important 
And I think that was like one of the touching parts of that film is just even their idea of the relation of like who they've become at this camp. They know that they can become better people. They they know they are better people and how society or like how mom or like the other like counselors of the camp just doesn't see that. But the way that, you know, if they were given another chance, they would definitely would do right by that and also just the conditions even if it's just the conditions that they were forced to live in it's just understanding that what they experience at the camp is by far not morally or ethically right and how you know they'll ensure that to like share that knowledge with other people that you know there shouldn't be a system like that just because you made a mistake or just because of the way that crime is like socialized and how conflict is socialized too. Deeming one person as right versus the other person as wrong and then per se just like shaming and also just like putting them in like for like extractive labor or like just some sort of like system that does it that just dehumanizes them. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. all of our listeners c- keep following up we'll definitely continue with our scheduled this is a special episode so our scheduled next episode will be about surveillance and identity and also crushes and how crushes themselves as a form of surveillance so stay tuned for that please follow our podcast you know share it on social media tell a friend if you're listening on the apple podcast or uh streaming services with reviews make sure you do review it and also keep following our Instagram and we'll have our, uh, and also be on the lookout for a Patreon coming soon, but right now, not near you. Yeah. And just, uh, just let us know. We would love to hear really your thoughts in general about the podcast, but especially about special episode and us sort of deviating from what we normally talk about and doing media breakdowns review let us know your thoughts yeah and if you want us to review a movie or have other thoughts let us know thanks y'all ttyl ttyl